Thursday Finance on to a new RFM for our sponsor Pritchard and Partners. And just before we get on with to currencies and commodities, Stephen Pritchard, there are a lot of businesses under the pump in the Newcastle CBD area um, with the works happening for the car race. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of road works occurring in um, uh, particularly Watt Street and up in Newcastle East and, and around Nobbies. And you know, a lot of businesses are feeling it tough. Well, you know, the, the, this road race is supposed to be to quote the Lord Mayor, uh, bringing in millions of dollars to the city. Well, I think some of those millions of dollars need to be applied to compensate these businesses that are, have had to shut for weeks as, as a result of building this infrastructure for the, for the road race. And, you know, if they can't afford that, well, why are these businesses being forced to subsidise this road race? Yes, yes. And certainly if you're driving around that area, oh, it's, it's a nightmare. much harder to get down uh, towards Nobbies. I, I'd avoid the city yeah, if you yeah. can. Right, let's take a look at what commodities are doing. Something to compensate, perhaps? Something to compensate? Well, um, if you bought a bit of gold the previous week, you're up 1.6% on that to $1,654 an ounce. Um, the copper price is up 2.9% to $8,516 a tonne. And the crude oil price is, is down 3.6% to $64.01 a barrel. Uh, the Australian dollar was up 0.07% on the week to 79.07. And there is a report coming out. But there is a report I saw this morning flashed across the screen that says the Australian dollar is expected to get a 85 cents in 2018, really? you look, your, your eyes are lighting up. Unfortunately, that's not good for exporters, and I don't know the Reserve Bank would be too clean with that. But anyhow, there, there is that report that's floating around. And um, the, Does anybody really know, though? Of course not. Yeah. I mean, people come in and ask me, and I say, well, you know, can you tell me what interest you're going to get on your savings account down at the bank next month? No. Well, how can you, how can you say what the the price of the dollar is going to be, mm. you know, um, you know, um, and the uh, the Great British Pound, uh, we're down about 1% on that to 6121 pence. Uh, the Euro, we were down about 0.5% on that to 66.51 Euro cents. And the New Zealand dollar, we're up against that to $1.09. Uh, the the All Ordinaries Index is, um, the equity markets were a bit mixed around the world. The All Ordinaries Index um, was down 1.1% on the week to 5,733. Um, the S&P Index was up 07 to 2,457. And the UK Index was down about half a percent to 7,000. 365. I mean, there's a lot of uncertainty which markets don't like, particularly the worsening, apparently worsening position in North Korea, which explains one of the reasons why the equity markets are kind of unstable and the price of gold uh, goes up. Um, and some of the resource stocks has been going up as well. So BHP was up 1.3% of the week to $26.95. Um, CBA continues its fall, although it was it was recovering this morning. Um, so it was it fell two point eight percent to seventy five point three seven. And a little while ago, it was seventy five dollars seventy seven. So it's come up a little bit. Uh, NIB was up one point two percent the week to five dollars eighty two, uh, and Telstra fell another eight percent mainly yesterday. Um, down to three dollars sixty, and we'll talk a bit, a little bit about that later. So Telstra's showing quite a good yield, but you know you got to you know, chasing the yield. You want to look after your capital as well. Um, and the the fuel price um, was down one point two percent to a dollar uh, twenty six 
0.6 cents per litre in Newcastle and down 6% to $1.17 a litre in Sydney. And uh, the diesel price in Newcastle was pretty much the same at $1.26.7 compared to $1.26.5. And in Sydney was $1.23.9 compared to $1.23.5. So the fuel prices. The good old days of about three weeks ago, eh? (laughs) When you filled your tank up. Yeah. (laughs) Wouldn't that be good if it lasted longer than that? Time for our market update. Stephen Pritchard with Henry Jennings from the Marcus Today Financial Newsletter. Henry, you're on holidays in Melbourne, are you? No, no, I'm not on holidays in Melbourne. I'm just uh, in Sydney, but I'm out and about today. I'm not in the office. Oh, Oh, well, that's That's not good. I'm, I'm on a course. Ah, oh, it's okay. Oh, I'm sick of courses. So, what's happening okay, down okay, at Telstra? What's happening at Telstra? The golf course? <laughs> oh, that course. That'd be all right. Uh, yeah, that's much better than a course. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. Well, that's fair enough. So, <laughs> um, so, what's happening with Telstra? That's a very good question, Stephen, and I'm glad you asked because I guess it's on the tip of a lot of people's tongues. Um, Telstra um, have, of course, slashed their dividend, which we knew about. Um, and the other day, um, they went X that dividend, um, but they also announced that um, their plan for monetizing the income flow from the NBN payments they're going to get from the government has fallen through because NBN Co. said basically, nah. So um, that was a bit of a, um, a kick in the, um, in the proverbial for, for Telstra. Um, they had been banking on that to, um, to be able to pay back some debt and also pay out some uh, increased um, well, they we're talking about special dividends, but certainly some sort of capital management, maybe a buyback for the company. So that's that's all fallen through now. I guess the, the question is whether Telstra is a growth stock, as people, uh, as Andy Penn, the CEO, would like people to believe, or whether it's a yield stock, as uh, everyone has expected it to be in the past. But the stock is kind of languishing now at three dollars sixty. It's going to be paying a twenty-two cent dividend next year, which is still. You know, a 6.1% trolley franc yield. So it's not to be sneezed at. Um, it's just, of course, if you bought in at higher levels expecting a nice big fat dividend, you've been disappointed. So I, I guess the jury's out at the moment with Telstra. Yes, yes. And mm. down at down at Blackmore's, the, the profit's down by uh, 41 million to 59 million. And the CEO said he doesn't expect another gift here because it was really, you know, when, the, when those Chinese people were lining up at the factory, that was really unbelievable. Yeah, that was never really going to last. Um, we bought this stock um, in our trading portfolio as soon as there was the announcement that um, Christine Holgate's replacement had been found and it wasn't uh, when uh, the new man, Richard uh, Henning, uh, took over. Um, and uh, our guys have enjoyed a sort of 15, 20% gain since then, so it's been pretty good for us. Um, I have to say, you know, the figures were a bit underwhelming. Um, it's a big company, Blackmores, and it does what it does very well. And it's obviously had to change its sales channel because of this change to the, the Chinese stuffing. The suitcase is full of uh, vitamins and taking them up to China and, and pocketing the profit. Um, so it's had to become a little bit more mainstream. That, that Daigu channel, I guess, as, as it's known, has, uh, has dissipated. So um, the outlook was, uh, was reasonable. They seem to be heading in the right direction. Um, so everything was kind of positive, but the figures were kind of showing that it's a company in transition in more ways than one with a new CEO um, and a new way of uh, doing business in China. But, um, yeah, we did, we did pretty well out of it. I have to say it's, um, it's down a bit today, so um, I, I think we're happy to take our profits. 
and another company that's in uh, a bit of a transition is uh, Specialty Fashion. Well, they keep saying they're in a transition, but it seems to be <laughs> transitioning <laughs> downwards. Well, that's, that's one of the problems with retail. They do seem to be transitioning downwards. There's lots of, uh, lots of these retailers in transition, and Specialty Fashion is certainly one of those. It's not really a hardcore premium branding uh, company, and I guess you know, the consumer's still under pressure. Um, we're seeing higher power prices. We're seeing higher costs of a lot of everyday items as opposed to uh, those luxuries and, and things that you only buy once in a while, like the CPI alludes to. So, yeah, speciality fashion, maybe it should be unspecial fashion group as opposed to speciality fashion group because there's nothing really that special about them. Mm. And then the, the great online um, retailer Templin Webster that was going to set the world on fire. I mean, <laughs> I mean, they've they've announced a, a loss of only seven point one million this year compared yeah. to forty last year, and they might make a profit next year apparently. Yeah, tell them they're dreaming. I think is the uh, is the quote from uh, the castle. Um, the, these guys were held out as the big white hope, I guess. In the, well, when they first listed, um, they were going to revolutionise the. Um, the online furniture business and homewares. And, of course, you know, homewares and furniture, they're things, you know, when you buy a new sofa, you want to sit on it, you want to feel it, you want to, you know, you want to, these are, these are touchy feelings yeah. when the purchase is not, um, not just buying a book or a CD or a bottle of wine or something. Um, these, these are really sort of purchases with the heart, and it really hasn't been a good business model, which I guess is a good um it's a good portend, I guess, for companies like Harvey Norman and the Good Guys um, and JB Hi-Fi and all these kind of people because certain, certainly the threat from Amazon is there, but um, it just goes to show that just whacking stuff online and uh, hoping that it's just going to walk out the door is not really the answer, and you've got to be a bit smarter than your average bear to, uh, to be good at that. And Templar Webster, I used to get bombarded with emails yeah, yeah, every day yeah. from them saying, yeah. Buy a lampshade, buy this, oh, look at this, and this, and this fantastic, these are the new colours. I haven't heard a peep from them. Yeah, now that you mention it, I used to, and I haven't heard them for, 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 for no. I've actually forgotten maybe, about them. Maybe the reason they've not made such a loss is they've stopped actually marketing. Mm, mm, Let's face it, if they, if they shut down the business completely, they wouldn't make any loss. That's right, that's right. <laughs> that would be a massive improvement. Okay, and... <laughs> But, uh, but, yeah, online retailing has been hard. I mean, we saw SurfStitch go into administration last week, um, mm-hmm. and they were, of course, the, uh, the online retailer for your surf crowd. Mm-hmm. So, so down at 10 Network, um, the, the, the board put it into administration, and yep. then um, Lachlan Murdoch and Bruce Gordon, through various associated entities, thought they were going to buy it, and yep. CBS has come along and outmaneuvered them. Um, this one really blindsided these uh, these two billionaires or uh, sons of, um, and it kind of blindsided the market, I guess. I mean, not that 10 Network is trading or is even ever going to trade again, um, but um, certainly it was it was a bit of a surprise, I have to say, and it has shaken up the other two networks, 9 and 7, of course, um, because uh, with a re-emergence of 10 with a, uh, with a big uh, sort of global um, backer now in CBS, um, that will put the pressure on both nine and seven. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a shock manoeuvre. I guess in some ways it was kind of logical for CBS. They played it very well. There was never even a, a squeak of a mention that they were going to be uh, in the frame or even looking, but they were owed a lot of money by Channel 10. Uh, they provide a lot of their content, and uh, they basically turned that debt effectively, I guess, into equity by, by, 
buying the company um, if they get uh, the right right approvals. But um, certainly, it does look as if uh, you know poor old Lachlan and Bruce Gordon at Wynn were uh, well and truly outmaneuvered. I think they'd be um, having some strong words with their um, corporate advisors about, um, about that one. I don't suppose they're going to be invited to the Christmas party. No, no. Well, you'll be able to tell us what happens there. Um, <laughs> Not me, I'm afraid. And so, Dan at Ramsey Health, um, they're, they're looking to grow by new overseas acquisitions. Um, yeah. The French one hasn't worked out the best. No, it hasn't, has it? Um, yeah, I mean, Ram- Ramsey had, is always cited as this massive market, darling, and the returns have been spectacular. But it, the returns in the last two or three years have been anything but spectacular. Um, you know, they went through a rapid growth phase and the share price followed. Um, but since, uh, I think, around 2015, they've really kind of gone very much sideways. Um, they bought they're the largest private hospital operator in France. And, of course, that, that comes with some issues. And you've got a new um, president in, in, in France, in Macron. And, um, you know, they've had some problems in the past. The, the previous administration was looking at getting health costs down, which is a, you know, it's a bit of a theme that all governments around the world are doing. Health costs are just getting out of control. So they want to try and reduce them. Um, they're hoping that Macron will be better for their French business than the previous man, whose name even escapes me now. He's so long forgotten. Um, but um, And they've also got a business in the UK which is suffering similarly with these um, margin pressures because of government uh, cutbacks on spending. So Australia's going really well. But uh, overseas, where the, the, the big sort of great white hope was, in Europe, not going quite so well, I'm afraid. So yes, um, it's, um, watch, it's been watch, harder for them. Watch this space. Yeah. And, and down at uh, CBR, I saw one of the uh, fund managers is uh, saying that they need to appoint an outside CEO because the whole place needs to be cleaned out. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, if this is... You, you kind of feel sorry for CBA in some ways. I mean, they've, they've had a, a couple of major issues in terms of commensure and other things, which they were probably getting on top of. And then they have this coding issue with these uh, so-called smart intelligent deposit machines, which hasn't really worked out too well for them in terms of smartness. Um, Ian Narev is now retiring next year. I wouldn't be surprised to see that brought forward um, if they could find a suitable uh, replacement. But let's not forget the Commonwealth Bank still make $10 billion in profits every year. They're still nearly the biggest company in Australia. It is a machine. And as I've said a number of times to a number of people, you know, running these machines is not that difficult. They, they kind of run themselves. The hard bit is actually getting to the top. Um, and Ian Rev obviously got up and has stayed there. But, you know, it's the top that sets the culture, and the culture needs a bit of a clean out. But the actual machine itself, um, is still very, very sound. And at some stage, the market will get fed up with all the negativity and will start looking at it as a recovery stock. The danger is that the premium that uh, Commonwealth Bank have always had over the other banks is uh, slowly eroding and bringing it back to the pack, which mm-hmm. I guess is is kind of natural given the, the problems they've had. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And down at uh, Independence Group, they're, they're talking about boosting shareholders' returns because they're... Yeah. Well, I mean, this is a theme that we've seen from a lot of resource companies. You don't really buy resource stocks for yield. You buy them for growth. Uh, at least that's been the, uh, the sort of the philosophy in the past. And we've seen um, you know, resource companies being a bit stingy.
dodgy with their shareholder returns. But this year, the theme very much in the reporting season has been uh, has been kind of um, company largesse. We've seen BHP, Rio, Fortescue, and company after company has come out and basically um, been rewarding shareholders um, with extra goodies, um, which I guess is good. Um, but it also means that uh, going forward, maybe they haven't got the growth options, which is, um, I guess, a positive for commodity prices because maybe there's not such a amount of uh, commodities in circulation and not so many big projects in circulation. But um, it's certainly something we've seen uh, big time this this time around is these, these shareholder goodies coming to people. So uh, that's a very positive sign. And uh, down at Yellow Brick Road, it's, it's managed to make its first full year profit after I don't know how long. Yeah, well, that's the Wizard of Oz for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it's it's um it's certainly been a long time coming, and this business has had some some serious issues. Um, of course, it's led by uh, very high profile Mark Boris, um, but he you know he gets probably sidetracked with his media appearances and just hobnobbing with the rich and famous. So um, yeah, it's it's not really one that I follow to be honest, because um, yeah, it's um. It's one for the munchkins, I think. Yep. And just one last thing to wrap up. Uh, Billabong reports another loss of $77.1 million and claim yeah, the new, <laughs> claim the new board shorts for you people on the North Shore will be, uh, or the Northern Beaches are going to rescue it all for the year. Uh, I don't know about that. The, the problem with Billabong, <laughs> I've said this lots of times, is they got daggy. You know, they, they, these guys were a um, cutting-edge brand for, for surfers and young kids. But the, the problem is the young kids grew up into old dads. And when the old dads are wearing the same gear as the young kids, the young kids don't want to wear that gear anymore. They want to move on. They want to find the edgy brands, not the ones that dad's wandering around in. And I've seen this with my own kids. You know, yeah. my, my son, um, who's a surfer, has gone back to you know shopping in charity shops and, and retro and vintage. So it's, it's been tough for Billabong. And those figures um, show that, I, I, I guess, you know, maybe the worst has passed, but I think they've got a tough road ahead of them still okay so 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 to, to get your advice like your your, your subscribers who followed your blake Moore's advice and made yep. some dollars how do we get how do we get that henry you can go to uh, marcustoday.com.au sign, sign up for a free trial you can even phone the lovely uh, chi chi or nikki and they'll uh, they'll sort you out with uh, with a trial and uh, you got two weeks to evaluate us and see if there's anything there that makes you some money Ah, Chi Chi's new. I haven't heard her name before. Chi 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 is very, uh, very new. She's very helpful. She's a lovely lady. Sure, she is. Okay, thanks, Thank- Henry. In the meantime, we're going to take a look at your home loan, Stephen Pritchard. Yeah, I mean, I was t- talking about this to, to one of the staff today, and they said, "Why don't we talk about home loans?" And I said, "That's a good idea." So, um, and in the, not so long ago, people used to go and get a home loan. You used to go down to your to, to 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 you know your bank or your building society or maybe even your credit union. And In all the days the, when you spoke to the manager. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's still a couple of places you can actually speak to the manager, um, 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 particularly the smaller institutions. You can still speak to the manager. Um, and you used to, you know, the home loans were all pretty much vanilla. You know, you'd take them out and you know you'd make your monthly repayments and, and in 20 years time well you know the house was paid off and it was all very simple but but these days it's all changed and it's no longer a set, a set and forget thing and, and you need to think um and, and particularly some of the things that some of the financial institutions do that really upset me so you really can't just 
no longer just sit and forget because it's these days it's a bit like the power utilities are being criticised. You know, they put you on this plan, but there's better ones available. And I, I found that a number of the financial institutions, they'll put you on this home loan, but then there'll be this other offer who new home loans will get. You'll be in there faithfully paying your money away, you know, your payments for, for four or five years, and then new customers come in the door and get a better deal. And, 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 you know, it doesn't sound right. It doesn't sound right, but that's that's that happens all the time. So, so what you need to do is you need to periodically review your home loan, and one of the things you need to look around, even this, you don't even necessarily have to change institutions. I mean, you, you'll find that like I said, it's quite common that you know, and you you know you need to go in and say, well, you know, we we want this new deal, and if you don't do it, because we're going to move somewhere else, and uh, that is easier to do. These oh, it's days. a lot easier to, yeah, you know. And the only basically thing you've got to, you, you don't have to pay the the, the mortgage uh, stamp duty again. That the mortgage can be transferred from one institution to another, subject to certain um, conditions. Conditions, but generally uh, mm. can be transferred. So the only thing you really have to pay is the is is whatever fee that the um, the, the new lender decides to charge. And in some cases, the new lender will actually will actually waive their fee if they if they're keen to get your business. So there's all there's all sorts of things that that you need to look at. I mean, the the other thing that, that that's quite good that um, is is an account called a mortgage offset that a lot of the, the older home loans don't offer that. So you can basically put your money in there and, and, and it offsets the interest payable on your home loan, but you can get it back at any time. So a lot of, a lot of the, and then people say, oh, my home loan's got this redraw facility. Yeah, but there's often fees on the redraw facility and there's extra paperwork to, to fill out. Whereas a mortgage offset account, you can just, you know, just go in and take your money out. So I, I, the first thing I look at doing is, is having a look at my home loan, um, See what the interest rates offered on the start with the same institution rate. See if the newer loans are getting a, a lower rate than the older loans, and that's the first thing you need to ask for. And the second thing you need to look at is getting a mortgage offset account and put your savings into that instead of a savings account, because there's also this tax issue that you don't have to pay the the interest, the notional interest that you're saving on your mortgage offset account. You don't, there's no tax liability that arises there, whereas there is in a savings account. You have to have money in it, of course, don't yeah, you? Yeah, well, you've got to have money in it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. so, so instead of getting your salaries and, and saving some money in a savings account, save it in your mortgage offset account, and that, that will save you. That, that will reduce the time of your mortgage as well. And Stephen Pritchard, looking at your home loan, um, sometimes your circumstances change when yeah, you've got a home loan. Yeah, sometimes your circumstances change. and You need to think whether, the, you know, the home loan, if you're going to look at changing it whether getting an interest reduction or what um you you, you might have you might have um um got a new job which is lower paying than the last one so you might be if you want to go to changing your home loan um you might be able to 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 lengthen the term to cut the repayments down a bit and um, i'm generally not in favor of that but your circumstances might 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 demand that or or, or conversely you might have got a a um a pay rise and you might want to pay the home loan off quicker. Now, generally, you don't have to do anything with that. You just increase your payments, provided it's a variable rate. You just increase the payments, and then you know, you surprisingly how a small payment actually will will dramatically reduce your home loan. And you know, most of the banks have got calculators you can just calculate by paying an extra uh, twenty dollars a week or four cappuccinos a week. Will 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 
We'll no. cut a couple of years off your home, though. Now, that is interesting. Yeah, I will. You, you do yeah. the cards, yeah. 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 So, generally speaking, it's a good idea to pay it's it off earlier? It's generally speaking a good idea to pay it off earlier, generally no. speaking. Okay, why? Because you save this interest payments. Ah, yes. Uh, so, and, and your interest payment is compounding out. Mm. So, mm. so, and effectively, you, you know, you might actually save two years. You might reduce your 20-year term to 18-year term. Okay. And like I said, there's a few calculators, and it's interesting just to sit down and put the numbers in and have a go and, and think about it. And small small increase in payments can dramatically reduce your, the term of your loan. Definitely worth looking at. And And one of the major things I think people need to be aware of is don't, turn your home loan into an automatic teller machine. Now, what do you mean by that, Steve? Well, what I mean by that is if you want to buy a new car, don't tack it onto the home loan. Um, A lot of financial institutions are only too happy to lend you um, the money for a new car, put it on your home loan, extend the term of the home loan until you're saving the interest. Well, that may be right, but what's going to happen in five years' time you're going to have to get a new car after this one and you're still going to be paying the car off that's long gone. So what you need to do is tell them, yes, we want to do that, but we want it in a separate account and we want to pay it off over five years. That way you'll still get the advantage of the lower rate. You're going to pay the the car off over the term you expect to keep the car and you're not still going to be paying for that car in 25 years' time. Well, now that does make sense. Yeah, and the other thing is not only that, um, holidays, people are tacking the holidays onto their home loans. Same thing, if you want to do that, get get a separate account, pay the holiday off over the period so you can keep track of it. Don't tack it on. So, you know, 15 years' time, you're still paying for the holiday that you, you had 15 years ago, long forgotten about, but you've still got the debt. So there's a difference in the way the interest is treated on your home loan account as opposed to your holiday account? No, no, no. no but what they'll do is they'll just add it onto the existing loan and, and rewrite, maybe even rewrite the loan term. So you're just paying it off over 20 years, right? What you want to do is just get them to do another loan. Most home loans allow multiple accounts these days, and if it doesn't, find one that does. Add a separate account and pay it off over the shorter term. You still get the interest saving, but, but you're not still going to be paying for your car after it's long gone or your holiday after it's long forgotten. Yes. Cars do. are particularly bad. <laughs> In 15 years' time, you would have changed it three times probably, and you're still paying for it. Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's, well, full, it's false economy. False economy. And that's how a lot of people in the US got themselves into trouble by, by you know... Just extending. Just as they got some more equity in the house, mm-hmm. they'd, they'd go and put some more, more stuff on it. And so taking a look at your home loan on a regular basis is a really good idea? Oh, at least every couple of years, I would have thought. At mm-hmm. least every couple of years. Or when your circumstances change, mm-hmm. um, just have a look and see if you can get a better deal. Well, thank you, Stephen Pritchard. Thanks, Jane. It is 2NURFM's Thursday Finance, and you can catch this program on podcast via the 2NURFM.com events calendar. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>